If you could open your Bibles to John, John's Gospel, chapter 3. We've been going through the Gospel. In fact, why don't we just read, let's just read the first eight verses. I don't know that we will get through even eight verses this morning, but today will be an introduction to John's, the third chapter, and we'll, we'll get into it more uh, next week. But let's look at the first eight verses. It says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. The Spirit. This is one of the most significant chapters, really, in all of the Bible, certainly in the New Testament. When I think of Old Testament chapters like Isaiah 53, some have called that the Holy Grail or the, the Holy of Holies of the Old Testament. I, I consider John chapter 3 one of those chapters because it's one of the few chapters, or one of the handful of chapters that really speak very clearly to the new birth, the new birth, and it's a clear explanation of it. And we have to remember that we are members of the Bride of Christ, the church. That's what makes us part of the church, that we are members of Christ, that we are born again. And this phrase, born again, is not a phrase that the church made up. It's not something that Protestants have made up. I remember a number of years ago, there was a member of the Catholic Church who approached me and said, um, and this is when Jeff was still here, and we were talking about this whole idea of being born again. And they told me that they were told by their diocese that those who believe in this idea of being born again were from a cult, <laughs> that we were from a cult. But, you know, when you think about um, a cult, a cult is the veneration of an object or a man and his teachings and his teachings and usually that those teachings involve extreme control over its members or adherents. And when we think of cults, we think of people like uh, Jim Jones in the early, you know, in the 70s. We think of David Koresh, men who had aberrant teachings that weren't related to the Bible, that were totally against the Bible. And yet many adherents, many people followed them. And you remember Jim Jones back in the 70s, the whole group died there in Guyana as a result of his, um, his cultish ways. So we are not a cult. Because we don't follow a man's teachings, we follow the Lord's teachings, right? Because Jesus is not just a man. He's the son of man, but he's also the son of God, which puts him in a class all by himself. Nobody else can make that, that claim, as Jesus did. So being born again, as we have read, is very biblical, 
And it's essential to salvation in Jesus Christ. Essential. And Jesus spoke of its necessity in order to go to heaven. We can't enter the kingdom of heaven. We can't see or perceive the kingdom of God unless we are born again. We need a new nature within us. Let me ask you, do you want to go to heaven? (laughs) I think we would all say that we do. Do you want a life that honors Christ? Then you must be born again. And you must be born again today. Don't wait until tomorrow. For tomorrow you have no guarantee. You have only this moment to give your heart to Christ. Because we have no idea what's going to transpire today as we leave this place. You know, we always have the hope of tomorrow. You know, when you're young, when you're a teenager, you know, you think that you've got all of this time, that you've got decades ahead of you. And for most people, that is the case. They do have decades ahead of them, but we don't have any guarantee. And you've heard me say this, and I'll say it again because it needs to be said. You recall in 2007, there, was, there were five teenage cheerleaders in Fairport. You remember them. I, this is the third time I think I brought this up. But it's a, it's a wonderful case in point. And uh, it's not wonderful, certainly, what happened, because those young ladies, all five of them, died in a fiery car crash. They were thinking that the whole world was ahead of them. They just graduated, all these hopes and dreams for the future, and it was all snuffed out in an instant. They had no idea when they woke up that morning that they weren't going to make it through the end of the day. Now, that's alarming, isn't it? I mean, it, it really is. It, it ought to shake us because we realize that we are not in control of our own lives. We have no idea. So make it your aim today. If you haven't given your heart to Christ, if you are not born again or born from above, as we're going to look at this morning, you must be born again. That's what Jesus said. Notice, it's not maybe. You know, you might need to be born again. I mean, if you're a decent person, you probably don't need to do it. No, he said... You must be born again. It's an imperative. You must be born again. And see, that message needs to go out to every single person in this country, in the world, because it's a message that the disciples died for. It's a a message that Jesus died for. And it's one that we get to share, and it's such a wonderful message. Because when you understand what has happened to you, how you've gone from death to life, Do you remember the day when you gave your heart to Christ? I remember it very well. Days before that, I knew I was a sinner, go on my way to hell. And then, for a mystery of mysteries, I give my heart to Christ, I crack like an egg, I cry like a baby convulsively, and I think I might even have been been in the fetal position when I did it, because I was just crying uncontrollably aware of my sin, aware of how I, the life I was living wasn't going to get me to heaven at all. And see, that's the message. That changes a life. The message of the gospel changes lives. And see, that's what God is all about. He wants to change lives. And even as Christians, he's still changing us. It wasn't just something he did and then we're just kind of on our own. No, it's something that happened and is continuing to happen in our lives because we are his. We are his. We give, our, we give ourselves over to him. And it's our reasonable service, as Paul tells us. It's reasonable to do that. I mean, think about it. If he gave his life for me and saved me from eternal punishment, 
Don't I owe him everything? I mean, honestly, even if it was only for a hundred years that I would spend in hell. (laughs) And he was willing to die to keep me from it for a hundred years. It would be more than worth it. Because, see, we don't have a right concept of hell. Many young people think that it's a place that they're going to go and party with their friends. But that is ignorance, because the Bible, Jesus spoke of hell more than anybody else. And it is not the place you want to be. It's not the place you want to go. It's no game. It's, it's no funny kind of glib thing. This is serious business. It's very serious. And yet people today don't take it very seriously. And they think they have all the time in the world, but they don't have the time that they think. So it's really important that we think soberly about this. And if it sobers us, then that will encourage us and give us the same thing like it did the the Apostle Paul where he says, the love of God constrains me. I have to tell somebody. I have to tell somebody. Do you have that sense in yourself that, God, you've given this to me and it's such a great thing? I've gotten so used to the fact that I know I'm going to heaven because of what he's done that sometimes I can get lax and think, well, you know, and and I, I stop really having that unction in my heart anymore about other people. But see, Jesus wants us to to tell other people, to warn them. And today in many churches, they're not preaching that anymore. Oh, God loves you. And he does. (laughs) You know, and they say all these nice things to get people into the building. Don't talk about sin, though, because you don't want to offend anybody. Hey, listen, you better be offended because it need it is an offense. The cross is an offense to your old nature. If it's not, then I wonder if you're born again at all. It is an offense. It ought to be because there's a collision of two natures, your old nature that you're born with and the new nature that God wants to give you by his spirit. And those two are like oil and water. And I'm sure that that's even a pale comparison. So why do we need to be born again anyway? Why do we need to be born again? I think you know the answer, but we're going to go through it because it's important to understand. It's very simple. We need to be born again because we were born in sin. The Bible says that we were all born with a sin nature and that this nature is in opposition to God. You remember the great catastrophe that happened in the book of Genesis. You recall. What does it say? We know that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, and this is where it all began. And it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, Adam, and saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. And it wasn't long after that that Eve was deceived by the serpent, the devil. And what did the serpent say to her? The serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed, has God indeed said you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? And then later on in that same chapter it says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a desirable, a tree desirable to make one wise. Do you see in there, in those, that little phrase there, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life? Those are usually the things that catch us. And certainly it caught our, our parents, our federal parents, Adam and Eve, there in the garden. 
She took of its fruit and she ate, and she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And then the eyes of both of them were opened. And so sin had entered the human race. That's where it began. The sin nature, this wonderful relationship with God was now broken. And now they were left to the devil's devices and left to his Kool-Aid that he would offer them. From this moment onward, every person who was born was born with a sin nature. It tells us in Romans chapter 5. It says, therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all have sinned. And that's, that's the case with us. That's why Jesus said, you must be born again. In Romans chapter 7, Paul was very much aware of this struggle of the old nature and the new nature that wants to have dominance. You see, your old nature is still within you, but the Spirit of God, when you're born again, the Spirit of God comes into you, and the Spirit of God is suppressing that old nature. I I like to think of it as like a big lead lid over the top of a volcano that wants to erupt. And God, the Holy Spirit, he puts that seal on top of it, and he allows that to be, not to allow itself to be expressed. Because it wants to. It wants to explode in every possible way. But God, the Spirit of God, he, that new nature that he places within you by his Spirit is suppressing that old nature. And at any given time, and this is the mystery of it all, folks, is that I have the ability to, to remove that lid, to, to, to move it off to the side a little bit and to experience things and to do things. And it grieves the heart of God when I do that because I'm allowing my old nature to have precedence over the new nature. And it'll make me miserable if I'm truly a Christian. I'm not going to be happy. I may think, I may think I'm happy because I'm satisfying some desire or whatever it may be. But afterwards, I feel terrible. Can anybody relate to that? And it's only when you confess it and you put Jesus in the rightful throne of your heart and he covers that lid up some more. He covers it up. And you're like, oh, thank God. Paul understood that very well. Let me read to you what it says in Romans. He says, for what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. You can understand the the dichotomy here and the problem that he's having. He says, if then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. And I say amen to that can anybody say amen to that is there anything good in your flesh oh yes I'm such a good person no you're not (laughs) and you came to church this morning thought wanted to be built up right (laughs) but see the truth actually lightens my heart I like I like I like the truth the light the, the truth actually sets me free because nobody's lying to me I'm just being honest Right? And that's the way God would have us to be. But notice he goes on and he says, For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, that's the spirit of God in us, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. 
And Paul, you can just understand the, the frustration that you and I all have. And what does he say? Something that we say under our breath in our own vernacular. He says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he answers his own question. He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is Jesus. And so there is this nature, these two natures, and they are in a collision course with one another, and that's why there is a battle. So we are sinners. We sin because we are sinners. That is why we must be born again. And God pronounced judgment upon sin. He said, if we say that we have no sin, in other words, if we say that we have no sin nature, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And if we confess our sins, and this is a wonderful promise, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we say that we have not sinned, the acts, the individual acts of sin, we make him a liar and his word is not in us because that is the truth of who we are. In Ezekiel, it says, the soul who sins shall surely die. And these are the indictments against all of us. From the very beginning in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us. And every one of us in this room would be saying, yes, that is true. I have sinned. And maybe you even woke up this morning and you did something. You thought something. But we can come to the Lord and we can confess and be restored. Amen? And it's such a joy to know that because there's no place like that on the earth. There's no one like that in all the earth that we can come to. For the wages of sin is death. That's what we get when we sin. It's death. But the gift of God, the wonderful, wonderful, precious gift of Jesus Christ, the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. This is why we must be born again. Because God's standard is holy, it's perfect, and our nature that we are born with is that hatred, it's that enmity against God. Therefore, there has to be a change of, there has to be a new sheriff in town. <laughs> there has to be a new nature within us. We must be born again or born from above. In fact, if we are not born from above or born again, we will not make it to heaven. What does it tell us in Romans? But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. That kind of makes it very clear, doesn't it? You can go through all the motions. You can go to church every day of your life. You can give money to the church. You can serve in the church all your life. You can walk on glass. And you can, you can walk on nails, and you can afflict yourself, and you can do all a host of things and call yourself a Christian. But if you do not have the Spirit of God indwelling you, you are not a Christian, and you are not going to heaven. Wow, that's really harsh. But that's the truth. You know, it's a sad thing when I see so many people that really have a genuine hope in God, or they have a genuine desire for God. But unfortunately, they go to places, and God leads them. He's sovereign. God is sovereign. He knows what he's doing. Even if you're in a church that's not teaching the gospel, not teaching the word of God, he has a way of reaching you. I know God can do that. But it's sad to know of so many people being misled because they're not being taught the word of God. They're not being told what the Bible says. That's why you should own your own copy. That's why you should read it every day. That's why we continually harp on this. We, bound the, we, we pound this one drum every single day. Read your Bibles, read your Bibles, read your Bibles. You need to read your Bible. And here's the secret. The more you read it, the more you're going to love it. Because I'll be honest with you. 
The more I've read the Bible and the more I'm falling in love with the Bible all over again every single day, the more I read it, the more I love it. But here's also another tragic truth is the less you read it, the less you're going to want to read it. And that's scary. And I've been on both sides of those spectrums, and I can tell you that that is the truth. The more you read it, even if you don't feel like it, read it anyway. Read it anyway, even if you think you get nothing out of it, just read it. The fact of reading it is so incredibly important. Whether you, regardless of how you feel, just read it and pray and say, God, I have no idea what I just read. I'm here in Ezekiel chapter 3, and it's talking about the wheel within a reel. I don't have any idea, but I know you, God, know. And Lord, I just submit to you, whatever you want to do, just show me. And you continue to read and you continue to pray. And you don't worry about that. That's his job. The Spirit of God will do that work in you. And you just keep doing it and you keep doing it and you keep doing it. Will you keep doing it? Do it with me. Because there's so many people that aren't right now. COVID has wiped out a good chunk of the church. I've talked to other pastors. And they're all experiencing the same thing. Many people who used to come when COVID came, sidelined them. Boom, just a chunk, a, a percentage of the church just went away. We don't know where they're at, what they're doing. They got discouraged. They kind of went back to the world. We don't really know. It's a sad thing, folks. And I am so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you have a desire for the word of God because I do too. And that's why I, I get the privilege to do what I do. And I love it. And I pray that you will love it more and more. Just continue to stay in it and continue to pray. Amen? So are you born again? Well, how do I know if I am? How do I know if I'm born again? Well, there's a scripture. Romans 8, verse 16, Paul says, The Spirit himself, notice himself, not itself, not herself, the Spirit himself. And that, that, that drives demons everywhere nowadays in our culture. As soon as you mention himself, oh, you mean God's a he? You mean that God's not an it and some impersonal force? And some people believe he's a she. No, God is a him. It's a him. <laughs> it's a him. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. I love that. You don't have to walk around feeling like you're some kind of orphan. The Spirit of God will show you, reveal to you. You'll either have the peace in your heart that you're one of his, or you're going to have a peace that you are not. And you know what? It's okay if you are feeling this morning like, you know what? I know I am not. There's nothing, well, there's everything wrong with that. But here's the thing. It's not wrong that you're feeling it. But do something about it. You don't have to you know, be in jeopardy every hour. Give your heart to Christ today. At the end of the service, we're going to do that. We'll have you come up. If you want to receive Christ, come. Do not wait. You do not have the time to, to think about it any longer. You must swallow the hook. Take the bait and run with it. No longer vacillate and stay on the edge of the, of the fence. Jump over the fence with great joy. You know, I think the Lord loves that. You know, someone who knows that they need to be saved, and they're like, you know what, I'm just going to, I'll do whatever you tell me to do, Lord. I'll jump that fence. I don't care if it's 18 feet high. I'm going to make one spring. I'll be like Rue in uh, Winnie the Pooh. I'm just going to bounce on my tail. I'm going to jump right over that thing, and I am going to get over, Lord. I'll do anything to get over that fence. And, and the Lord says, well, I've already done everything for you. All you got to do is believe. Are you kidding me? It's that simple? Yeah, it is. It really is. And that's why people struggle so much. They want to feel like they've got ownership in it, that they have to do something to earn it. You can't earn it. 
You cannot earn it. You have to accept what he has done. The merit of Christ is what has given you and I the ability to become sons and daughters of God. There's no other way it can happen. There's no other way. But how do I know if I'm one of God's children? Well, I'm going to share with you a list of things. And this is just a list I put together this morning, actually. And this is not an exhaustive list, and some of these may relate to you, some may not, but I thought about my own life and what, what, what I knew God was doing. And one of the hallmarks of being a Christian is, one number one, I will know that my sins have been forgiven in Christ. I'm going to have that overwhelming understanding that I've been forgiven. I'm also, number two, I'm going to have a desire for the truth, for truth. Notice I didn't say the truth. Even having a desire for truth, period, is a good sign. But I'm also, number three, I'm going to have a hunger to read the real truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help us, God, the Bible, right? I'm going to have a desire to read the Bible. If you have no desire to read the Bible at all, you better worry. I'm not saying that you're not born again, but if you don't have a desire, there's a problem. Because one of the... The Holy Spirit's jobs, if I can use that, is to lead you into all truth. It says that in John 14 and 15. That's that's one of his jobs. That's what he's going to do. And I'm either quenching this spirit or I'm not born again. Do you love to read the word of God? Number four, you'll also have a peace of God. Do you have a peace of God? You can have a peace of God once you have the peace with God. Once the exchange has been made and I've given up my old nature, my old life, and now I've surrendered to him, I have peace with God and therefore I have the peace of God. Like a child, I can lay my head down on the pillow. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my, pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I shall die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. I can't remember. I, that just came off the top of my head. I remember that when I was little. But there's a peace that comes over you. You know that you're one of his. Do you know that this morning? Do you know that you're one of his? You can know. Also, your perspective, number five, your attitude, your worldview will begin to change as your relationship with Christ develops. You may be born and and be thinking all these liberal thoughts and ideas, and all of a sudden you get saved and you start reading the Bible, and your worldview must change. It will change. It's going to change you. The will of God is sanctification. That's his will for your life. The will will of God is sanctification, among other things. Changing you from glory to glory into the very image of Jesus Christ himself. And number six, you'll also have a desire to right the wrongs from the past of those that you have done, that you've hurt in the past. One of the things that I... I, I, I do even today, you know, I remember when I first got saved, I, I went to the people that I knew I really hurt. The things that I said in the past that I knew really hurt them. And I went to them and I apologized to them personally. And I said, you know what? I remember back about 10 years ago, I said something to you, friend, and I know what hurt you and you didn't want anything to do with me. Will you forgive me? I know that God has forgiven me, but I need, to your, I need to your forgiveness too. And I am sorry for being such a bonehead because that's what I was. There's going to be a desire to right the wrongs. I remember when I was going to college, and I'll tell you a little secret about myself. This is just spontaneous. I probably should erase the tape once I say this. But I stole a desk from Stetson University. 
And I was moving it out into my apartment, and, um, and I had it for several years. And then one day, after I got saved, I remember just sitting there on my couch with my Bible. Um, and I was a scoundrel before I came to Christ. I'm, I'm less of a scoundrel now. But I took the desk because I liked it. And then I get saved, and then I'm on the, on the couch reading my Bible, and I just happened to glance over, and this was early in my relationship with the Lord, and I saw that desk, and I, and I got, oh, Lord, I remember. I stole that desk. And the Lord's going, yeah, you did. What are you going to do about it? And I said, oh. So I wrote a letter to the residents, the, the residential life, the administration at Stetson University, and I wrote them a letter. And I wrote out everything that happened to me, how I, I was there at the school, I got saved, and exactly what happened at that moment. I wrote it down in a letter and I sent it, and I never heard back from them. But you know what? Now it's in their court, because I know it got to them. And I can just imagine the lady who read that letter, because it's, a, it's, a, it's really a Baptist college, it's a... a a liberal arts college, Baptist origin. And I can imagine the smile on her face as she's reading that. And she's probably going, Mr. Kellogg, your debt is paid in full. But I was willing to pay for it. But I never heard a thing. But do you have the desire to right the wrongs of the past? It's good to do that. Because it heals relationships and makes you accountable. And finally, number seven, again, these are just a handful. You'll begin to demonstrate the characteristics of Christ. If you're one of his and his spirit has indwelt you, you're going to change. Your life is going to be a representative of what Jesus is doing in you, right? When we look at those list of the, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When we look at those things, are those things, uh, are they in my life? Or am I still just an angry man, just, just full of rage and anger? Well, I got work to do. And I got, I, got, I got work to let the Lord do in me. It's not that he is, got, the problem's not with him. It's with me. And that's why I need to be born again. I need the Spirit of God to indwell me, to change me. You know, when I look back at my old man, the person I used to be, I really, honestly, I don't recognize that person. It's like a different person. That old man of mine has been dead, buried in the grave. I'll never see him in good riddance because I don't ever want to see, I don't even want to talk to you ever again. I don't like the way you're, I don't, I, don't, I don't even like your haircut. I don't like the way you dressed. I don't like the way your, your filthy thoughts, your filthy mouth, your bad attitude is gone. I don't know you. See ya. <laughs> but the new nature indwelling us. Hallelujah. Isn't it awesome? So being born again is one of the greatest things in my, you know, it's the greatest thing that ever happened to me and ha- the greatest thing that ever happened to you. And I would encourage you to foster that relationship with Jesus Christ. We're going to end here. We haven't even really got into it yet, but we will next week. But give your life completely over to him. If you're a child of God, 
take him at his word and you go to the mat, go to the mat. All these things that are just driving you crazy inside, all these inconsistencies with your character, with your mind, the way you think, the way you do things, be willing to let the Lord expose them. Put them all out on the mat and say, Lord, there's the whole smorgasbord of of all my issues. And Lord, would you please clean the temple like we talked about last week? Would you cleanse this temple, Lord? Heal me, Jesus Christ. I need you. Do you need him? I know you do because I do. I need him more than I need air. Because if I had him and I didn't have air, guess what? I'm with him anyway. (laughs) Follow? You can take my breath away. Just make sure the spirit of God is in me. Because when I take my last breath here, it's going to be my first with him. Love that. Give your heart to him. And I want to encourage you this morning, you know, this idea of being born again. Just receive the Spirit of God. Lord, indwell me. It really is that simple. I am a sinner, God, and I need your Spirit to to take dominance over this old nature of mine that just is, is bent on horrible things. Lord, it needs to die. That old nature needs to come to an end, and your Spirit needs to come. I need the new birth. Are you... If you haven't given your heart to Christ today, would you please, after we're done praying, when everyone's milling around and the music's playing, would you please come up? You don't need me. You can pray with anybody. You can pray with a person sitting next to you. That's fine. Just confess it and give your heart completely to him. And for those of you who are online, make sure you do that. And for those of you who will be hearing this on the radio later on, don't wait. Don't wait. You don't have tomorrow. You will never have tomorrow. But what you have is this moment. Make the right decision this moment. And give your heart to Christ. Be born again. Be born from above. Experience the new birth. And we're going to look at Nicodemus next week because he was a very smart, very smart, very spiritual man. But he was not born again. Isn't that interesting? That means you can, be a, you can be an academic. You can be extremely smart. You can have PhDs and letters and all kinds of stuff. Just the whole alphabet after your name. And yet, he could be lost in your sin. And a very religious man. And he wasn't born again. But we'll see that Nicodemus, after Jesus' crucifixion and after after his crucifixion, we're going to see Nicodemus come out with Joseph of Arimathea on the, one of the high holy days that Israel has ever known. That Passover was very significant. And these two brothers would come out very publicly and they would remove Jesus from the cross and they would wrap him with a hundred pounds of aloes and ointment. Nicodemus. So if you're really smart, or you think you're really smart, it has nothing to do with intelligence, has nothing to do with your IQ. Sometimes that can be a, an impediment. But just come to Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. Oh, Lord, we are just so thankful, Lord, 
for the new birth. Lord, you could have come from heaven and you could have died on the cross. You could have ascended to glory. Lord, as you did, you, and, and even make the promise of you coming back for us. And Lord, that would have been enough, honestly, because th- that would be much more than we could ever accomplish in our life. But Lord, you didn't do that. You, you, you certainly are going to do those things, but you also left a earnest, a down payment of our salvation by indwelling us by your spirit, Lord, knowing that very well, soon you will come back for us and redeem and, 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 and put the final down payment and redeem our physical bodies off of this earth. Lord, you've given us this earnest of the spirit, this down payment, this treasure in earthen vessels. Lord, how we thank you for that. Lord, thank you for giving us new hearts. Thank you for changing us, Spirit of God, from the people we used to be and changing us into the the glorious character of Jesus Christ. Little by little, day by day, increment by increment, Lord, you're doing it. We feel it. We sense it. We pray that you would just continue to do it, continue to give us victory over areas of sin in our life, God. And continue to help us. Give us a hunger for your word, God. Give us a hunger for evangelism. There's another hallmark of the Christian faith. We want others to know what we know. Lord, please do all of these things within us. And thank you for the wonderful, gracious way in which you love us and how you deal with us, Lord. You are certainly a good, good father. You're a great gentleman. You're a great dad. You are everything in between and so much more than we can possibly ever imagine. Lord, it is all about you and it is all for you. And it's in your precious name that we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.